teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Isaiah chapter number 1, chapter 1, verse number 19. If you be willing and obedient, you never can tell what God's going to do because serving God's hard and you never know if you're going to make it or not. That's reverse standard version. That's not. No, if you be willing and obedient, what will happen? You'll eat the good of the land. One trans, actually several translations say the best of the land. The best of the land. Well, that just means the best God has for you. You and I have to recognize that there's more to eating than experiencing the good of the land, walking in the best God has for us in all areas of life, including physical health and healing. <clears throat> there's more to it than just believe you receive, say amen, and go and just do whatever we want to do. Amen. When it comes to believers, if we want God's best, which we do, then we're going to have to walk in God's plan for our life and not just the acceptable plan for our life, but in the perfect will of God. Amen. Remember Philippians says that, uh, actually Romans, excuse me, the 12th chapter, the f second verse really, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, means discern recognize, see, understand what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amen. Notice three levels of the will of God for our life. We can walk in the good, but then there's something else called the acceptable. Then there's something better called the perfect will of God. Amen. We can actually fulfill exactly, completely, excellently, perfectly God's plan for our life. And that's a big key to us experiencing the best God has for us. We can't, do, we can't have God's best unless we do God's best. And we're going to be sharing on that this morning coming from many different angles because the Spirit pointed this out to me last, you know, a week ago Saturday, how serious this is. And He spoke pretty clearly and pretty definitely and pretty strongly to me about it. Now, there are certain individuals among us that need to hear this specifically for the end of the year, but we all need to always do a checkup in these areas. Amen. Amen. When the Spirit speaks directly, speaks, uh, 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 I guess with, you could say with the authoritative voice, it's necessary to uh, get uh, serious about some things because I believe there's, there's, you know, we've all had at times a witness that we weren't in God's plan, but sometimes the Holy Ghost will speak you know, authoritatively to us about it and say something to the effect, it's, it's serious. Get back in where you belong in my plan for your life. I mean, whenever that comes, the reason God does things like that more authoritatively sometimes. Now, we, we all know there's, the, there's such thing as the inner witness. That's not real authoritative. It's just an inner knowing. Uh, then there's such thing as the spirit, uh, the, 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 the spirit just witnessing with our spirit, like I just said. But then there's the Holy Ghost speaks with the authoritative voice. There's also our own spirit talking to us. I've had my own spirit talk to me, say, you're not where you're supposed to be, you know. <laughs> But then there's this authoritative voice of the Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit speaks, and He speaks in the spirit realm, you know, I don't mean something audible. It can sound audible sometimes. But uh, it's not audible in the natural realm. I mean, God can do that. Don't misunderstand me. But it's audible in the spirit realm. In other words, it's not audible to the physical ear, but the ear of your spirit hears it, and it just rattles you whenever you hear it. You almost turn around to see who said it. Because it sounded almost audible in the natural realm, but nobody else heard it. That's the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's not your spirit talking to you. It's not the inner witness that the Holy Spirit gives with your spirit. Amen. This is the authoritative voice. And when that comes, 
I've learned this over, the, like for example, uh, over the years, I've learned whenever that comes, it's serious. There's not much time left. I'll give you an example, and this might seem like a minor thing, but yet right on the other hand, when you run out of money on your honeymoon like we did, when we were on our honeymoon, it wasn't a minor thing to have to buy a new tire. It was Sunday morning. We were trying to get back to Tulsa. We had been on our honeymoon for a whole month. Praise the Lord. I mean, we, had, we, had, we went from Kansas City. We went to uh, Pennsylvania. Then we went to Florida. Then we got on a boat and went to the Bahamas. Partway through the Bahamas, we ran out of money. Well, thank God we had a credit card. <laughs> so we started charging everything we, had to, we needed. Kentucky Fried Chicken was the cheapest in town. $4.99 Italian buffet at one place. We liked that. But that got hold, you know. But we're trying to save as much money as we could. But anyway, we're out of money. So anyway, we get off the boat, come back. We get in our car to drive back home to Tulsa at that time. And we're driving through Atlanta, Georgia. It's on Sunday morning. And uh, we're, uh, we're coming through there. No traffic much at all. You know, you ever notice that the traffic's always whenever people are out doing what they want to do? Come Sunday morning, you know, well, we're going to sleep in. Anyway. So anyway, that's just a little side note. We were coming through Atlanta, Georgia, and I heard, I was driving down, what is it that it made, an eight-lane highway or something like that, six-lane highway, two sides, six on each side or something like that, six or eight, driving down through there and just worshiping God. It was kind of early in the morning. We were driving straight through, didn't want to buy a motel, you know, save money. <laughs> so we were driving, and I heard this. It sounded audible to me. Get in the other lane. I was like, well, why on earth would I get in the other lane? No traffic, you know? Well, I just kept on going just a few, a few seconds, and I heard it again, get in the other lane. I didn't do anything because I couldn't figure out why on earth I needed to get in the other lane. Finally, the third time, real authoritative, get in the other lane. It was real authoritative that time. Well, I thought about it for too long, put on my blinker. It was no cars anyway, but put on my blinker, started getting the other lane. Boom, like that, we hit a, something on the road and blew the tire out. Almost, you know, I mean, it was just supernatural. We didn't lose control of the car. And, uh, and uh, brought it to a stop. And uh, there was, it wasn't just a little hole. I mean, it was destroyed. The tire was destroyed. Well, we had to put on the little donut tire, you know. We couldn't go all the way from Atlanta to Tulsa on that. So we looking for a shop that could, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, you're not going to find a shop open to get a tire. And so the Holy Ghost was trying. We finally got one for the wrong size. Paid way over the price what it should have been. See, the Holy Ghost, I'm a tither. He rebukes the devourer. I'm a, I'm a covenant man. I shouldn't have to buy a tire right now. Well, if I just listen, if it, see, when it got authoritative, it means it's serious. If I, that's a minor example of what I'm talking about. You know, buying a tire, big, no big deal, I guess you could say. But see, if we don't pay attention to these kind of authoritative voice, whenever the Spirit speaks, we could get in real danger in life. Amen. We got one that was the wrong size, and, you know, three tires are one size, and the other one was the wrong size. You ever driven a car like that? You go down the road, you know, just shake yourself all crazy almost. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, when it gets authoritative, it gets serious. Sometimes we're going to have to, we, you don't always spell healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G. Did you know that? Sometimes you spell it O-B-E-Y. Sometimes you spell it repent. You just, have to, you just have to know there's more to it. There's more to walking in the best God has for you than just believe you receive, say amen, make a confession, and go do your own fun thing, whatever you want to do. 
If you want God's best for your life, you have to do God's best. Can you say amen? Amen. This isn't whenever I said on uh, last Sunday, you know, there's some people that need to be here at camp meeting because there's some things that if they don't get a hold of, they're going to miss it and get into trouble in 2012. That wasn't being, the Spirit wasn't saying legalistically show up, mark your time at camp meeting. He was saying there has to be some things heard and there has to be some adjustments made. Amen. Go over to Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. We'll see this. Sometimes healing spells is spelled different ways. We don't always like to hear this side of it, but it's the truth of it. Matthew chapter 13. We'll look here in verse number 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross. He's talking about the Jewish nation at this time. This people's heart is waxed gross. That means thick. And their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Converted means turn, change, change of heart, change of mind, change of direction. It includes repentance. It means judge yourself, make an adjustment, correct yourself. There's times we get to go in the wrong direction in life. And the longer we go that way, sometimes the more confused we get because things aren't working out. And, we, and we've overridden what the Spirit said to us back there, thinking, well, I just don't know if I want to do that or not. The price is too high. You understand what I'm talking about? But no, it's never too high. It, it pays to serve God. But there are times there are things that we have to adjust, corrections we have to make. In our personal lives, a judging of ourselves. Remember the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. Judging of ourselves lest we be judged. There is such a thing as God saying, now the word judge means, um, I'm quoting second, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 29, 31, or 29, 30, 31, down and through there. Remember that what he said, discerning the Lord's body? If we don't discern the Lord's body, and we're part of the body. In other words, discern our place in the body is part of that. Uh, If we don't discern our place in the body, for this cause many are weak and sickly. And many die prematurely. Notice he didn't say because they didn't use their faith. He said in this case is because they didn't discern where they belong and judge themselves about it. For this cause many are weak and sickly. Many sleep, or that means die prematurely. And then he says, for if we would judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord, you know, turned over to Satan. Another passage says, for the destruction of the flesh, the Spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Well, I don't like that. I'd just rather hear faith and healing and I'm a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christian. I'm always making right decisions and, you know, just go live my own life and do my own thing. Well, here's the problem. You don't belong to yourself. We got to get a revelation that we belong to Jesus. Remember, the Bible says you are bought with a price. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hallelujah. Paul said, uh, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not me that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. One translation says, this is just, I'm a dead man. I'm just, this is just Jesus using my body right now. I don't have a life. I don't get to do what I want to do. I don't get to, well, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to do this. I don't get to do that. It's amazing other Christians think they can do what they want, but I don't get to do that. 
must be serving a different Jesus or some, I don't know who they're serving, but I don't get to do what I want to do. Well, I want to move south and live in the south and, you know, retire and everything. Well, did Jesus say that's where to go? Where do you fit in the body and where's your place? Amen. Now, so uh, we see that all through the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, starting around verse 14, he said, We thus judge that if one died for all, then all died. And if all died, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, And if all died, then we which live should not live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for us. You know, if I, if I saved your life, uh, pushed you out of the way of a car that was oncoming car that would have killed you and I saved your life how many of you know there ought to be an obligation you have for for me for the rest of your life yeah. or if vice, vice versa you saved my life there, there's there should be a place of of respect and honor and 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 I, you mean I'm a dead man if it wasn't for you kind of a isn't that right well that's what Jesus did for us if it wasn't for him we'd split hell wide open forever and ever and ever and ever and live a short, miserable, sick life, broke, defeated, squirrely-mind life in this life. Couldn't keep a marriage working, all our kids on drugs and stuff like that. If it wasn't for Jesus. So we're obligated. I, let's put it this way. Honor is obligated. Honor obligates itself. You say, listen, I don't even belong to myself anymore because I'd be a dead man if it wasn't for Jesus. On my way to hell. Oh, think about it. So we which live are, ought to live to our, not to ourselves, but to him which died for us. We don't belong to ourselves. Can you say, I don't belong to myself? That's a good confession. I mean, we confess our healing. We confess other things. We ought to say, I belong to Jesus. Spirit, soul, and body. I'm his. He's, he's mine. His plan is my plan. Amen. I have things I'd like to do in life, but I only get to do them if I have the other things secured and, and they're in place and I'm making sure that's done. And if I can't do these other things uh, because I have to make sure this is being done, then I just, I'm not going to do these other things. You understand what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm praying through some things right now about, you know, our personal, we have some desires, live out in the country and so forth. But, you know, I just want to make sure all that, because developing the land and having a few cows and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. I, I just don't want to, I just don't have time to be giving a lot to it, you know. So, so I'm praying through, Lord, how much are you going to let me have? That's the reason we haven't, we have some land in mind, but we haven't gone and done anything about it yet. Because I just want to make sure I don't get all distracted with this stuff. Seems like, seems like I, I just, uh, you know, especially in a time of transition, you got to be real careful because there's other things coming into our life and ministry, and it's just like, Lord, I, I just want to make sure this is okay here. Yes. Hallelujah. If I put him first, he'll let me have it eventually some way, somehow, but I'm not going to be losing all my time given to that. I got, you know, when I get to heaven and stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, did you, did you get the land? <laughs> no, he's going to say, well done. Did you do what I told you to do? Amen. And if I can say yes, it'll be well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. amen. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Now, he said, if you be willing, it'll beat you, eat the good of the land. I'm going I'm to get into something along this line, but I might have to have somebody else run it or something. You know, I'm just, well, that's what we're all praying all that through. Some Christians, they don't think about God. They think about, this is what I want. Well, so I don't get to live that way. I don't know why you do. 
I don't belong to myself. Actually, I belong to Jesus, number one. But number two, I belong to the rest of the body of Christ. If it wasn't for uh, others who uh, were faithful to God and got what I, got what I needed to me, then I wouldn't be where I'm at. So, so they bless the others that bless me and all of us, whoever, you know, many, many others have blessed many people, but uh, it wouldn't, then we wouldn't be where we're supposed to be. So they belong not to Jesus, just only Jesus, but they belong to the body of Christ, which is also Jesus too, if you think about it. Amen. So me bringing my supply to the body is, uh, is going to, uh, you know, is going to be me fulfilling my obligation to the rest of the body because I belong to the rest of the body. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Now, um, what we find here is back in Isaiah 1, we find that, uh, well, in Matthew, let's go back to Matthew 13, you were there. What he says was there's some changes sometimes, notice converted, and I should heal them. Sometimes there's adjustments that have to be made before healing can come. Yes. In other words, sometimes there's things blocking our healing. Yes. Now, notice I didn't say God is holding our, holding our healing back from us. He never withholds any good thing. But sometimes there's things that get between us and God, and they block it from coming into our life that we have put there. Well, what kind of things are you talking about? Well, things like being willing and being obedient, what God said for you to do. So he said sometimes there has to be a converting. That means making some changes, God changing directions, repenting, judging ourselves, making some adjustments. Now back to Isaiah, it says here, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Like I said, another translation says, the best God has for you. The best God has for you. Well, I want divine health. I want to live a long life. I want fellowship with God. I want the good of the land. I want to eat. I want prosperity. I want all these things that God has for me. Clarity of direction and purpose in life and all these things. And fulfillment down on the inside where my own spirit uh, is, is nourished and satisfied. Because the plan of God will nourish and satisfy your heart. Your flesh will tell you, you don't want to do that. But your heart will say, you want that. You want that. And whenever you get into that, your heart is satisfied. Your heart is nourished. I like the way Jesus said it. He said, my meat is to do the will of him to sent me and to finish, my, finish his work. What is meat? Meat is something that nourishes and something that satisfies. In other words, he's saying the plan of God nourishes my spirit and it satisfies my spirit. Now, the devil will tell you, Pastor Nancy was talking about this yes, uh, uh, whenever it was, Thursday morning. She was talking about how the devil will lie to you and try to tell you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Remember what she was talking about, if you were here? And the devil will try to get you to dread the plan of God, and he'll try to tell you it's going to be hard, it's going to be bad, it's, you, you aren't going to be able to enjoy life, you're not going to be able to have all that you want out of life. He's going to tell you all those kinds of things. There's a, too much of a sacrifice, it's going to cost you too much. Well, there's a sacrifice, but it, it's going to eventually pay off. In the long run, it's going to pay big time for you to be in the plan of God. You see, dying early and being sickly and uh, uh, not fulfilling your course is not a good life. That costs. That's the cost of disobedience. Don't let the devil tell you it's going to cost you to obey whenever the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. Not the way of the willing and the obedient. The way of the willing and obedient, there are tests and trials, all right. But if you'll be faithful to God, you eat the good of the land. You'll have the best God has for you. Can you say amen? 
don't let the enemy tell you mentally uh, what it's going to be like if you obey God. The devil will try to tell you what it's going to be like, but he's nothing but a liar. You know what's hard? Hard is not obedience. Hard is disobedience. All the trouble that comes through the open door that you open up to the enemy through disobedience, that's hard. It's hard going bankrupt. It's hard losing your spouse. It's hard when your children die in accidents. That's hard. Can you see what I'm talking about? No, the way of the transgressor is hard. The willing and obedient, they eat the good of the land. The devil will lie to you about that, though. He'll try to tell you it's going to be hard. He'll torment you mentally about it. But if you'll obey it, it'll, it'll bless your life. Can you see what I'm talking about? Jesus said over there in Matthew chapter number 10, I'm just going to, well, you can go there if you'd like. I'm going to go pretty quickly because of some things we need to get to here. But Jesus was talking about uh, the way where to live. And he said this in Matthew chapter 10. We'll go verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. That's just talking about finding your life means doing everything you want to do. Losing your life is laying down your desires, what you want, for what God wants. Amen. There's a lot of things we get attached to. A lot of things that we get affections for in life that if we're not careful, we'll interpret that as the plan of God for our life. Now, I enjoy, I've used this illustration. You know, if you like something else, it would apply to a different area of your life. But I use this because it's, it relates to me and I understand it this way and I think you could understand it. I enjoy hunting, for example. Sometimes I watch uh, hunting shows on TV and, and I hear, hear them say, uh, they'll, 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 win, they'll, they'll kill a big trophy buck and they'll be standing behind it and they'll be putting the video on there and they'll say, and they'll, many, many times they'll say, now this is what life is all about. They'll say something like that. And every time I answer it, I say, no, it's not. No, it's not. See, I'm not going to let that get on the inside because my, my affections could tell me, now this is living right here. You understand? But I, I always answer it. I say, no, that's not what life is all about. My life is all about the plan of God for my life. I heard one just the other day. He said, I was born for this because he enjoys it so much. See, that's somebody getting their affections so set on something that they actually think that's their destiny. No, it has nothing to do with God. Whatever it is for you, it might be something different for you. You understand? It might be, you know, the recipe blog, recipe blog on the internet. I don't know what it is for you. <laughs> I would encourage you uh, to find some more fun hobbies. But anyway, that might be, that might be your thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we need to love. Here when he says love father or mother more, don't love father and mother more than him. He's talking about, this is not the agape kind of love. He's talking about the, the word we get our word affections from. It's a human kind of love. We're not to set our affections on anything else more highly than Jesus. Whether it be family, whether it be desires of our own heart, or desires of our own affections, you know. We call it a heart sometimes. There are things God will let you have all right. But you have to keep the right things first. 
Amen. Amen. Now, this is true. Uh, sometimes father or mother or family will uh, persecute you for doing the will of God. Well, you have to love what God thinks about you more than what they think about you. It doesn't mean that, uh, that you're supposed to just leave them and never talk to them. You know, or not try to stay in fellowship with them. But how many of you know some people do make it hard? <laughs> you know? We're not talking about leaving anybody. We're talking about if they choose to leave you. As much as you can, you walk in love with them, but you've got to do what God called you to do. Amen. See, it's not a matter of, you know, just <laughs> some people, they're looking for a way out. I'm not talking about that. Praise God. Well, that's good. You can say amen if you want. But back here in Isaiah 1, he said, the willing and obedient, they'll eat the good of the land. The good of the land means, according to another translation, the best that God has for us. Well, if we want God's best, we can't walk in the permissive will of God. We have to walk in the perfect will of God. If we want to enjoy good health, heaven supply, long life, fellowship with God, we have to walk in God's plan for our life. You see, faith was never intended to come behind uh, the effects of disobedience and clean it up. Did you get that? God never intended that our faith be something that we use to override the effects of our disobedience. In other words, we got into disobedience. It's, pay, it's, it's, it's costing us to be in disobedience. And so we have to use our faith to get all that restored. Well, first of all, without repenting, you won't get it restored by your faith. But there is a restoration after repentance. But you see, you could have delayed some things. The best is just do the plan of God, be in obedience, and be willing to do it. Well, how can you tell if you're willing? How you can tell if you're willing if you're doing it with joy? Amen. Amen. The only kind of obedience that is acceptable to God is willing obedience. Amen. You've told your children at times, and you can tell they're being unwilling about it. You've said, take out the trash, and they, <laughs> and they go over there, they stomp over there, and they clam and clang the thing around. You know, you ever had your kids do that? <laughs> yeah, you have. What did you do? You gave them a spanking, didn't you? Why? Well, they did it. I did it, Mom. I did it. Yeah, but you were grumpy about it. Isn't that right? You weren't joyful about it. Well, maybe your mom didn't treat you the way I did, but that's the way I got treated. None of this tear in your voice kind of a do what I told you to do. That's not good enough for her. So, doing it willingly means doing it joyfully. Also, the word willing in the English dictionary means to do it readily without coercion. Sometimes we get coerced into do it because it's, it's costing too much to be in disobedience. We almost died. <laughs> and sickness coerced us into it. I didn't say God did. You know. It's just we, we finally come to our end and say, well, we can't do that. That's, that's costing too much. So doing it willingly means without coercion. It means doing it energetically. Energetically. Woohoo! Glory! We love this. Not with a lip poked out. Crying about it. When the Lord put us on the road, told us to travel, we were doing it for a year. 
And then we came back home. When we were gone, we weren't gone the whole year, but you understand, back in and out of town for a whole year. And we were driving, so we, you know, we did a lot of staying out for three weeks at a time, four weeks at a time, and then come back in. That kind of, that's kind of what the year was like that year. And then after uh, that year, we came home for the last, the end of December. State, we were off two, I think it was two weeks or so, probably, uh, at the end of December. And uh, at home, you know, because Christmas time, and we were just relaxing. Many other churches didn't have any guest speakers in. So we just at home, we were relaxing and so forth and so on. And we enjoyed being home so much, you know, rather than motel after motel. Yeah. Well, um, then it was time to go again. I'll never forget it. Uh, one of the first few days of January, we got in the car, went up Highway 44 to get to our next meeting. And I didn't realize it, but I was grumpy about it. And the Lord said to me, up out of my heart, he said, you're angry at me. Now, sometimes the Lord will put his finger on something that you didn't want to admit right now. He said, you're angry at me. Well, you know, rather than fuss with him, just say like the woman there, Sarah Phoenicians, uh, I mean the uh, truth Lord. <laughs> truth Lord. So the Lord said, you're angry at me. And I said, you're right. And I started crying about it. I was mad. All the things, all the trouble that, that being out on the road, all the stuff, yeah. just stuff. Yeah. 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 All the, you know, you can't stay in one place more than three days, just going, going, going. Uh, and, and the flesh wasn't, wasn't happy about being on the road. The Lord said, you're angry at me. And I started crying, and he wasn't done yet. He said, you think I knocked you down a notch, don't you? See, in healing school, we had been ministering in healing school a lot, and, and we were becoming well-known, you know, and that's, in fact, how we got all these meetings. These pastors that came to healing school hurt us. They'd come to even during Winter Bible Seminar and camp meeting, well, not camp meeting, but Winter Bible Seminar. We'd be preaching in the, in the healing school, and preachers would come, and, hey, we want you to come to my church, you know, and so I'm becoming well-known and so forth. Well, but then I'm out there then, and afterwards, you know, just getting more meetings from those meetings, and people that didn't know us said, well, I'd like you to come. And after a while, they'd introduce us and forget our name, and it was just, you know, we're nobodies. And <laughs> I mean, most churches that we went to were BYOA churches. You know what that is? Bring your own anointing, because they ain't bringing none. If you're going to have a move of God, you're going to have to do it on your faith, because they weren't believing God for anything struggle, plow, get a little bit of ground turned over in one church and have to go to the next one and stick your plow in a hard rock again. Start all over. Sleeping on hard beds. My flesh didn't like that. My spirit loved it. But my flesh didn't and I was grumpy. She's sleeping. I said, the Lord said, you're, you're mad at me. I started crying. He said, you think I knocked you down a notch, don't you? I started crying. I knew he had me. I knew he had me. He nailed me. He said, he said, this is the reason he started talking to me because the first year was a struggle oh, financially. We had more money coming in than ever, but, you know, we had many more expenses than ever, you know, just. And then some pastors wouldn't pay your plane fare because you had to drive, and then they wouldn't pay expenses for driving. And then you had to stay three nights at one motel before the next meeting come up, and you had to pay all that because pastors wouldn't pay that. You know, you just, if you're not careful, you'll get in the flesh real quick. Pastors, you know. I'd get, I'd get grumpy and complain to her, and then I'd have to repent. And it just wasn't a year of willingness that first year. So anyway, the Lord, we were on a starting out our second year. The Lord said, you're, you're angry at me. I'm helping somebody here this morning. 
he said, uh, you think I knocked you down a notch? And he started talking to me about how I had been unwilling that first year. And that's the reason it was so much of a struggle financially. I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, you holler at the top of your voice right now in this car. She was sleeping. He said, you holler at the top of your voice, say, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. So I started hollering. I'm, t I'm crying. I started hollering real loud. Woke her up. I started screaming it. I said it over and over again. And something broke on the inside of me. See, don't, take, you, don't tell me it takes long to get willing. You can make an adjustment just like that. It's just reaching down on the inside and flipping a switch on the inside. There it is. I'm willing now. Hallelujah. Oh, I love to do this. I love to see you got to talk out of your heart, not out of your flesh. And things started turning around for us. I delight to do thy will. I delight. <laughs> Devil, you're a liar. This is the plan of God for me. This is paying for me. This, is, this isn't costing me. This is paying off for me. I'm helping somebody. You got to talk to your flesh and you got to talk to the devil telling you it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It might start out, but you keep telling him, Mr. Devil, you just, the, the last lady, the, the lady hasn't sung the final song yet. When it's all over, I'm going to be the one laughing at you. You heard Dr. Dufresne saying the devil was laughing at him when he first started out. His tires were making noise, stupid, stupid, stupid. But now he, reaches, he leans over his plane, that he's flying a jet plane everywhere he goes, and tells the devil, stupid, stupid, stupid. You got to know it pays off to obey God. Woo, I'm preaching myself happy. Well, later on, of course, uh, we got willing and many, many good things happened and many miracles, many, many churches helped, so forth and so on. But then the Lord started changing us and, and adjusting uh, our ministry and we came to pastor here. i never forget, Kate McVeigh was here not long after we started pastoring. I was just so glad to be back in the will of God because the will of God had moved. You know the cloud of God's plan will move for you in your life? The cloud on the inside. So the plan moved and we got in that. So glad to be back in the will of God. Kate McVeigh was here preaching. And uh, it was good fellowship with her. And I'll never forget, before she left, one, uh, I think it was Sunday afternoon or uh, uh, before she left, we went and we, we ate with her and talked to her. And she started talking to us about all the, all the stuff that's out there on the road, stuff that she runs into. And all the memories came back of all that stuff. And I literally started getting ill in my stomach. I started repelling all of that. I started pushing away from all of that. I didn't enjoy that part of traveling. And eh, I started doing this. And I heard the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. He said, don't you get unwilling right now to do it. He said, don't you get unwilling to get back out there again if I ever tell you to. So I had to make that adjustment. I literally walked out of the room for a moment because I was getting ill just hearing it all. See, you think, oh, pastor wants to travel because, you know, it's all exciting. <laughs> Forget it. If it's the flesh, I ain't wanting to do it. But I'm not walking in the flesh. Amen. You got to understand that. It's not about what I like or what I don't like. Amen. Praise God. If you be willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. Now listen to this. When it comes to divine healing, the same is true about divine healing. God's the same all the time. Healing is yours. But in disobedience, you might not be, or in disobedience, you're not in position to receive it. It's not that God's saying, no, I won't heal you. It's that you're not in position to receive it because you're not in obedience. The willing and obedient eat the good of the land. Can you see it? 
disobedience affects us. Now notice, willing and obedient. You can be willing and not obedient. And you can be obedient and not willing. That's both of those together. Willing and obedient. Amen. The only thing that is acceptable with God is doing what He said willingly. There's no more blessing in unwilling obedience than there is in disobedience. I said there's no more blessing in unwilling obedience than there is in disobedience. Now, um, there was a lady came to healing school years ago. We helped there in Kenneth Ministries Healing School. Uh, she came for healing. She, was, she had cancer. She was diagnosed with healing. I mean, di- with healing. <laughs> she was diagnosed with cancer. And it just, we, we weren't getting very far. And one of the ministers took it upon himself to spend some more time with her just to try to minister to her more and more and more. And they took some time to pray with her. Uh, and uh, during the time of prayer, the minister kept saying that, that this kept coming out, up out of their heart. The minister kept coming up out of his heart. There's something about God spoke to this lady when she was a young girl about his plan for her life. And there's something about that that's affecting her receiving her healing here. Hindering, put it that way, her receiving her healing. Well, um, you know, the Holy Spirit won't always, in other words, he'll put his finger on things, but they're not always something that somebody's wanting to talk about. Well, the minister just couldn't get any further. How many of you know if the Spirit of God's talking to you about something, you're not going to be able to get any further until you address this right here. So he stopped and he said to this lady, he said, Now, I don't know you and, you know, you're here to receive. We're just trying to help you. But this just keeps coming up in my heart about when you were a young girl, the Lord spoke to you about his plan for your life. And it seems like maybe that something about that's hindering you right now in receiving your healing. Well, she broke down in tears and started crying. She said, well, and she opened up. Some people don't open up. When the Spirit of God, I found this many times, when the Spirit of God puts his finger on, this, on something and, and people don't open up, you're pretty much guaranteed they're going to die. If it's a serious condition. See, cancer is a serious condition. Well, this lady, thank God, opened up. And she said, and she's just crying, and she said, well, what happened was when I was a young girl, the Lord showed me his plan for my life was to be a missionary to China. But she said, as I grew up, because that was a young girl, she wasn't very old, I don't know, let's just say 8, 10, something like that. I I, I don't remember, but young girl. Too old to go do it, I mean, too young to go do it right then, in other words. But but anyway, as she grew up in her teen years and early 20s, she met her sweetheart. And her sweetheart, somebody she wanted to marry, she married him, but he didn't want to go to China. And so she never did it. See... You have to love the plan of God more than you love somebody else. And if you're getting married, you have to talk about that before you commit. God, if in this case, she should have said, God's plan for me is to go to, as a missionary to China. Now, I love you, but I love Jesus more. And I'm going to have to obey God. And see, apparently she didn't, maybe, or maybe she did bring it up, but he didn't want to hear it. So she, she loved him too much. She went ahead and married him anyway. Well, see, it wasn't. It was costing her is what I'm saying. It's costing her her life. She didn't live out her life. She did die of cancer. Can you say amen? amen. That's not the way it should be. Right. Amen. amen. She didn't want to go. She was in disobedience. Well, see, it's, it's a high price to pay. I'm delighting to do His will. Say, I delight to do His will. 
See, we're going to receive communion here in a few minutes, but this is going to be a different kind of communion service. We're going to judge ourselves. We're going to say, am I in the plan of God or am I not in the plan of God? We used to do that in the church I grew up in, the denominational church. We didn't just receive communion lightly. We went back into the back room and we had to testify to all the other people, I'm, I'm right with God. If we couldn't say that, we didn't receive communion. Because we took this serious. That's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 11. You there? You're going home. For this cause. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 11. For this cause. Well, uh, many that are called to the ministry, Jesus said to Brother Hagin, live and die and never get into the first phase of the ministry. And he said that's why uh, many die young or die in middle age. Because they're in disobedience. They're not in the perfect will of God. You there? Branham was uh, called of God, William Branham, many of us have heard of him, called of God to step into the office of the prophet and, and lead the healing revival back in the 40s and 50s. Well, he was a denominational minister, went to this tent meeting and uh, got filled with the Holy Ghost and God started, all the pastors invited him to come preach at their church. That was the beginning of his ministry. But um, his, his, he was married to a lady who was very, uh, what would you call, very uh, kind of a, I don't know if you'd call her aristocrat, she came out of a highfalutin family, if you put it that way. And they were denominational people. And these Pentecostal people, to them, were low-life kinds of people. You know, they weren't aristocrats. They weren't high-society kind of people. Pentecostals were looked down upon. Still are in some cases. But so, uh, you know, her family didn't want her to, to go with him and, and so forth and so on. So she prevailed upon him, and he drew back and didn't obey God. And I can't remember, I, I was looking for this story last night, and I, I didn't locate it. I had written down it somewhere. But he, there was a flood came, and uh, he lost his, I think it was at least one of his children, and was his wife as well, I think, uh, because he was in disobedience. He was out of town, but the flood washed their house away and lost his wife, and I think it was one of his children at least. Maybe more of his children, I don't recall. But, but so he repented. He said, it has cost too much to disobey God. See, you can't let what other people think keep you from obeying God. Amen. I mean, losing a child, losing your wife. It costs you to draw back. Amen. So when you get out of the perfect will of God, you get into disobedience. You open the door for the devil to attack you. It's not God doing it. Brother Hagin made this statement uh, in I Believe in Visions, and I just want to read this to you. Remember the vision where Jesus was telling him about the office of the prophet. Remember the hospital visit that he had? He broke his arm. You remember he was uh, preaching in a church and he fell, slipped, and he broke his arm. And on the way to the hospital, the Lord said, uh, you know, it's, well, I don't know if it actually was broken, but it was, it was uh, damaged. He had to have it in a sling for a while. And on the, hospital, on the way to the hospital, Jesus said, I'm going to talk to you more about this. And when he got to the hospital, he's sitting up in the hospital just... Uh, whatever he's doing there, just kind of waiting until they dismissed him. And he said this, he said, uh, Jesus said when he appeared to him, he, he, he heard footsteps coming down the hall, and he looked, thought it would be a nurse, and it was Jesus. Jesus, in visible form, walked through the door and was coming and sat down beside his bed. Talked to him for an hour and a half about the prophet's ministry. Because, uh, and Jesus said to, to him, I want to say this to you, this has happened to you, this uh, breaking of your arm or whatever it was, has happened to you because it was my, uh, not because it was my perfect will for you, because it was not my will at all. This has happened to you because you got out of my perfect will and into my permissive will. 
You know, and he talks there about the good, acceptable, and perfect will. He said Jesus brought that up to him. He said, some time ago when you preached at a convention of ministers, you stated that your, your ministry is that of a, a teacher and a prophet. You got into trouble because you reversed the order. Uh, you got into trouble because you put the teacher's ministry first and the prophet's ministry second. When you did that, you got out of my perfect will, into my permissive will, and that opened the door for the devil to talk to you. I mean, excuse me, to, to attack you, excuse me. Um, and uh, he, he went on and he taught him how every time the, the office of the prophet and the office of the teacher is listed in the New Testament, prophet's always first. If that's, if that's a higher anointing on your life, you have to put that first. Doesn't mean you can't teach. It just means you have to, do the, you have to fulfill the other one first. Then here's the paragraph I wanted to get to. This is what Jesus said. You may ask me, he, Jesus was talking to Brother Haggard. You may ask why, if I knew it were going to, or you were going to fall and hurt your arm, why I didn't prevent it. You know, sometimes people, they have that idea. Why didn't God stop that? I could have, Jesus said, but I didn't want to. Listen, listen, this is going to help you. I didn't want to. And instead of being angry with me for not preventing it, you should be glad I allowed it to happen. Why on earth would you be glad about that? Listen, if I, if I hadn't permitted Satan to do this to arrest your attention, you would not have lived past the age of 55 because you would have continued in my permissive will instead of my perfect will. Listen very carefully. Very carefully. Now listen to this next statement. This is the third time I've had to speak to you about this. In other words, the Lord had spoken to him in other ways. God prefers that we listen to what he's saying to us in our hearts. This kind of getting out in disobedience and having tra traumatic things happen or something like that and learning from that is not God's best. Did you get that? This is not the way God leads per se. This is according to, in fact, go over to the book of Proverbs. We're going to get back to this. You still listening this morning? Go to the book of Proverbs. Well, let's go to Psalms, actually. Go to the book of Psalms, chapter number 107. You still here? Don't zone out because we're just now getting to the good part. Slap yourself in the face, pour cold water on your head, something, because you need to hear this here this morning. Psalm 107. Verse number 17, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Yeah. In other words, go back to Psalm 32 also, verse 8 and 9. Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. It says, I, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Now, we know in the New Testament, for the Bible's progressive revelation in the New Testament, he said he guides us and teaches us with his word and with the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. My spirit bears witness with your spirit. Remember the Bible talks about that? And we've talked much about that. But so he's talking about, he brings up the subject in verse 8 of guidance and teaching and how he does that. Now notice verse number 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. The NIV says, or they won't come near unto thee. Now, what is he talking about? A horse or a mule? Uh, uh, let's take a horse because we understand that. They, they are, 
if we want to move them in one direction when we're riding them, we pull on a bit that's under their tongue, you know. And the reason the horse has learned to go this way when you pull the reins this way is because that hurts whenever you pull that. And rather than hurt, he'll just go the way you want him to go. God said, don't be like that, that you won't go the direction I told you to go until you're hurting. That's what he's talking about. He said, that's for fools. Well, we've all done that, so don't look at me that tone of voice. I've done this. <laughs> he said, fools, because of their iniquities and transgressions, are afflicted. In other words, because of disobedience. You get off the territory where God can bless you fully like he wants to bless you, and you start getting into trouble, and you start saying, I repent, I repent, I repent. That's not God's best. But he will take advantage of those opportunities, and here's the reason why. Because now you'll listen. Before that, you weren't listening. And that wasn't his perfect way to do it, but, but it, you got in a place where that was the only way he could talk to you. Because it, he, what, basically when he says if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged, but when we are judged, we're turned over to Satan with the destruction of flesh. What that's talking about is the word judge means decide. If you look up, you know, a judge sits on the bench and he decides, yes, guilty or not guilty. Isn't that right? That's what the word judge means, to make a decision. To analyze all the facts and make a decision. So what God's saying, whenever he judges, he's saying, I have decided I am no longer going to protect you in your disobedience. Amen. And what he does is, is there's a measure of removal of a measure of his protection. The various degrees for various situations. He's the judge, not us. But when he decides, I can no longer and will no longer protect you in your disobedience or unwillingness. It opens the door for Satan to hit us. And whenever that happens, sometimes people, get, people wake up. Some people just go their own hard-headed way and go right off into destruction. But a lot of times people wake up. Now, that doesn't mean that was God. That was actually Satan. See, God cannot fully bless us in disobedience. That would, he, that would be Him blessing our plan rather than His plan. You need to know the measure of protection that's over your life. You, are, you and I are a kept people. We are a protected people. We are a preserved people. We open the door to the enemy and something gets in. We realize how kept we really were. But that's not God's best. That's for fools. And don't, don't look at me mad because I'm calling you a fool. I've done this before. And it was stupid of me. It wasn't smart. It did, I, somebody said, well, you, people learn that way. Yeah, I know. But that, the, the, the tuition is really high. That doesn't mean that's the way God's, God did that to teach you something. It was Satan that got in because he couldn't protect you in disobedience. I have watched people stop tithing and watch all hell break through, break off. I mean, I could name five different traumatic situations that have broken out in people's lives sometimes because they stopped tithing. Because they knew better. There's a difference between somebody that knows good and doesn't do it and than somebody who doesn't know. Amen. It hinders their prayer life. Now, notice here, Jesus said, uh, I allowed this. Somebody said, well, why did God allow it? Because he cannot bless, fully bless our disobedience. Really, it was us that allowed it. See, he'll allow what we allow. Because we're the ones that choose whether we're going to obey God or not. So we're not mad because if we stay on that path, it'd be early death for us. He said, this is the third time I've had to speak to you about this. And so Jesus had tried to get his attention other ways. Y'all there? You're going home. <laughs> See, it doesn't pay to be in the 
or be out of the perfect will of God. He wasn't putting his prophet's ministry first. Well, um, we need to pay attention to those kinds of things. You see, healing for those in disobedience doesn't come the same way healing comes for those who are, who are just not in faith. Amen. Healing for those who are in disobedience comes as a result of making some adjustments. Closing the door to the devil. Let me say this. If a person hindered their own prayers, remember 1 Peter 3, 7, it says uh, our prayers are hindered by not walking in love, and they're hindered by other things as well. But if somebody's prayers are hindered because of disobedience, I can't unhinder those prayers. You understand? Only that person can do that, and they do it by repenting. Not by saying, I'm just going to put my head down and plow my way through this. No, you won't. You won't get, you won't get God's best. Healing for those in disobedience doesn't come the same way as those who are just not in faith. It's spelled different ways for different situations. For those who have hindered their prayers through disobedience, all we can do is warn those folks as the Spirit leads us to do so. And that is a legitimate way to minister healing. Isaiah 38, 1 through 5, the prophet went to the king, Hezekiah, and said, Set your house in order, you're going to die. That was a warning under the present circumstances. It's not going to, you're not going to receive your healing. The Bible says he left. The king turned his face to the wall, repented. Isaiah didn't even get out of the courtyard. God said, turn around, go back. He repented. He went back in and said, the Lord's adding 15 more years to your life. And he lived, you read it, he lived that much longer. Glory be to God. That's a legitimate method of ministering healing. Ezekiel 3, 17 through 21, God said, I've set you as a watchman on the walls of the nation of Israel. He said, if I tell you to warn somebody, then you're going to have to go warn them or their, your blood, their blood's going to be on your hands. So, whenever God tells me to warn people, if I shrink back from it, I'm going to have to give an account for that at the judgment seat of Christ. So, I'm boldly saying this morning that there's things that have to be adjusted in some lives. Amen. This is ministering healing through the prophet's office. Operates by warning people through revelation of the Spirit that they're going to die. They don't make some changes. See, that's the revelation gifts in operation. Hallelujah. This is one of the operations of the healing ministry of the prophet, but it's not the only one. There's others that we see in the Bible, see in Jesus' ministry, others' ministry. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Hagin made this statement. He said, I have observed. He didn't say Jesus said this to him or, or that the Lord told him. He said, I have observed that whenever God tells me to go warn somebody and they don't, don't uh, respond to that, they'll, they'll be turned over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. And when that happens, he said, my observation has been, Satan uses the worst thing he has in those cases, which is in that case, cancer. He said, that has been my observation. He didn't say the Lord said that. He's just talking about his observation. Hello? So we've got to pay attention here. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention here. So we've got to warn people at times. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Say out loud, we're a kept people. He doesn't cause the, the bad things to happen. But He does permit it. Maria Woodworth Eder was a minister of years and years ago, a strong, one of the most powerful miracle ministries in the United States ever, really. Lady 
who, uh, you know, back in that day, wasn't, ladies weren't even supposed to be in the ministry. You know, so she got a lot of persecution just on, you know, Pentecostals were persecuted, but on top of that, she's a woman preacher. So she's doubly persecuted. Well, she didn't want to go because God called her. And so she kept being disobedient, kept being disobedient, kept being disobedient. Well, Lord, right now, you know, I've gotten married and I've, I've got children to raise and kept being disobedient. Finally, she got down to death's door. And in the hospital, finally, they put her down in the basement of the hospital right next to the morgue and basically gave her up to die because, well, there's nothing else we can do. But she kept saying, I can't go, I can't go. Finally, at death's door, in the bottom of the basement of the hospital, right next to the morgue, she heard the voice of the Lord say, now will you go? She repented and said, well, see, it's, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't pay to disobey God. And she repented, and within a day or so was up out of there, and she went out preaching. My man, she went out preaching. She never quit because she had to obey God. She was powerfully used to God. She's the one that went into a trance in St. Louis and stood there for, what was it, 72 hours? If I, I might be wrong about the number of hours, but she stood there for a long time. Hundreds of thousands of people came through, and the power of God filled the room. People were saved. And while she's preaching, she went into that trance and stood there. You can't do that in the natural. But, but that was a sign. Then she picked up preaching after those number of hours and went right on like she had never stopped. Picked up the point she was on before she went into the trance, went right on. Powerfully used of God. But she, she, she almost died over disobedience to that. Dr. Summerall didn't want to preach. He had his own plans for his life. You need to read his book out here. He had his own plans and he got, I think it was tuberculosis. He kept resisting God, kept resisting God. Finally, he got down to death's door. His mama was a praying mama, had all the prayer ladies over there, you know. And they're praying, and he's down there. He's still rebellion. He doesn't want to obey God. He doesn't want to get saved. He doesn't want to do all that. Finally, he's at death's door, and he had a vision. And he saw a casket on one side and the Bible on the other side. And the Holy Ghost said to him, Jesus, from the, the head of the church, said, Now, tonight you choose. Now, that's... I'm not just talking bad about Lester Summerall because we've all done it. I've done this kind of thing. That's called being hard-headed. I'm not just trying to talk bad about a mightily used general. I respect him. But we've all done that kind of thing. Have you ever been hard-headed? Doesn't pay, does it? No, no sir, no ma'am. It just doesn't pay. This is a different issue than being healed. Just, I mean, uh, than being, a, being sick just because the enemy attacked you. This is because you opened the door to the enemy. In these cases, there's a cause. And just saying, Satan, I resist you, isn't going to get you anywhere. This is a diff there is a difference between Satan attacking you and you opening the door to him by disobedience. Amen. It's all good and all true. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God for the word. So that's what the Spirit was saying to me last Saturday night by revelation of the Spirit. Uh, that there was, there was some people here. Four, he mentioned to me four people that they're going to have to get into, they're going to have to get into obedience by the end of this year. 2012 is going to be very, very bad. Is that a scare tactic? No, I have no, I have no, uh, I have no, no, nothing in this thing. I, nothing in it for me personally. You understand? It's not my life is what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say. But it's just simply because God, he, he's, he's, there, there, we're coming to the, it's getting dangerous now. It's time, your, your time is running out to do what God told you to do. Amen? That's why he spoke so authoritatively to me. 
Well, we're going we're gonna to make some, some adjustments, make some changes. Praise the Lord. It's good for all of us <laughs> to do a checkup, you know, examine ourselves. Where are we now? Where are we? I know the further I walk with God, the more serious it gets to be, to be disobeying. It just doesn't take much disobedience anymore before it's starting to affect me. You know? Like, for example, the, the attack, whenever I went into phase two, the attack of all my, my joints swelling up. Remember I told you all about that? I mean, uh, I, can't, I can't afford, if I can say it that way, I can't afford to get into any disobedience here. It costs me too much. Sad to be, uh, have to learn that way, but yet right on the other hand, that's sometimes how we learn. That doesn't mean it's God's best. doesn't mean God's making bad things happen. Well, the Lord's good. Say out loud, the Lord is good. And we have ears to hear. They that are willing and obedient, they'll eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. I'm thinking of somebody I know of right now, didn't obey God. Oh, probably about two years ago. And they have been, ever since that time, been in and out of the hospital. In and out of the hospital. But it's not one thing, it's another. You try to tell them. You try to show them where the connection is. And they don't see it. Or they don't want to do it. Tough. It's tough to disobey God. Can you see it? Praise the Lord. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.